Abraham tested. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Morah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut through enough wood for the burnt offering, he sent out for the place of God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father. Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they had reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He had bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took his knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord came out from heaven. Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not lay anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up in the thick thicket and saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sands of the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of, the, of their enemies and their offspring of all nations and earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants and they set off together for Beersheba. And Abraham stayed in Beersheba. Day 6 p.m. Great to be with you here tonight. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here. And you might want to turn back to Genesis 22, our first reading. It's on page 17. We're going to be camping out there tonight. And as you turn back there, let me lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, you say that when we hear your word and we put it into practice, we will be blessed. And so we pray now as we hear from your precious word that we would not just hear it and forget what you say to us, but you would change us from within and lead us in the blessed life, the life serving and loving you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wonder what is the hardest thing you have ever had to give up?
What's the hardest thing you've ever had to give up? Earlier this year, our TV broke. And um, my wife, Christine, and I, we said to each other, this is it. We're going to give up TV. We've got this. Think about all the time we're going to save. Think about how much more sleep we'll have. We'll go to bed earlier. We lasted a week. Uh, in our defense, we were doing okay, Christine and I, but it was when it got to about 4 p.m. and we wanted to put on Bluey to occupy our kids. Uh, that is when we really caved. Two weeks ago, our coffee machine broke. I know. Uh, and um, so we lived, the last two weeks, we have been living off instant coffee. Makona is you know, a bit better than the, the average instant coffee, but still pretty rough. And I think Christine and I both realized we can't give this stuff up. We're addicts. So I got it repaired and brought back the machine on Thursday to my wife's delight. Now, Abraham, you know, he's asked to give up something not trivial like that, something really deep. And if you, when you heard that story read before, I'm guessing you were pretty shocked by what Abraham has asked to give up. Perhaps you're here tonight and you're not a Christian and maybe you even feel a bit disgusted by the idea that God would make such a request of Abraham. Have a look at what Abraham asks, so what God asked Abraham to do. It's there in verse 2. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Abraham would have known what a burnt offering was. A burnt offering was when you took an animal, cut it into pieces, and burnt it. It was something that you made as an act of worship to God and to atone for your sin. And so God is asking Abraham to do such a shocking thing. I think it's shocking for two reasons. The obvious one is it's shocking because it's his son. It's his son. This is the first time the word love is used in the Bible. Your son, your only son, whom you love. Now, in this time, child sacrifice was actually a thing. Thank God here in Sydney, 2023, child sacrifice, not a thing. But it actually happened in the ancient Near East at this time. So Abraham was kind of familiar with the idea, but that was something that the pagan gods got people to do. Not the God that we serve, the God who will later say in the Bible, you shall not murder. This is shocking that God would ask him to do such a thing. But it's doubly shocking. It's doubly shocking because this is the son that God had promised. As we've seen in our series in the story of Abraham so far, God promised this old man, Abraham, that he would be the father of a great nation that he would be the father of many nations. Problem was, he didn't even have one child. And he reached about the age of 100, and God kept saying, trust me, trust me. God took him outside, showed him all the stars in the sky, and said, you're going to have this many descendants. Trust me. God did a bit of a rebranding exercise, gave him a new name, no longer Abram, but Abraham, father of many. Still didn't have even one kid. 
And God's saying, trust me. I can do the impossible. And then that child, Isaac, is born. God fulfills the promise. And yet still so much expectation in this one kid that through this child, Isaac, Abraham would have many descendants and would bless the world. And yet here, God is asking him to kill his son. God, haven't you, have you forgotten about the promises? Have you forgotten how long I waited, God? Have you forgotten what you said you'd do through this child? What is God doing? It's worth pointing out, God will never ask you to do such a thing like this. Breathe a sigh of relief. God will never ask you to do such a thing. This is a very particular situation. But that doesn't mean this story is irrelevant for you and I. Because I think in this story, God wants to teach us two really important things about who he is. And here's the first one. The first thing God wants to teach us is that God is a God who tests. God is a God who tests. You know when you're watching a movie and it gets to a really intense bit and it seems like your favorite character or the main character is about to die. And you think, no way, it can't happen, no, no. And then you remember there's a sequel. And you kind of breathe a sigh of relief. You go, ah, he can't die, it's going to be okay. That's kind of what we get in this story because you know, it seems like Isaac's about to die, but right at the beginning, we're told something that Abraham doesn't know, but we're given a bit of a sneak peek by the narrator. Look at verse 1. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. It's a test. Now, what's a test? A test is something that God puts us through to grow us in our dependence on him, to grow us in our trust in him and our love for him. I'm sure some of you have experienced times in your life that were very hard and very difficult. Maybe you're in that now. And in hindsight, you see the way God used that trial or that, that difficulty to, to grow you. It doesn't mean it was easy. And you may never see, actually, what God was doing, but, but, but maybe, maybe you have, and you can look back and you see the way God, God used that to grow you and that's what God's doing here with Abraham. He's, he's, he's growing his faith. But I think it's more than that. We often do a test to reveal the true nature of something. I, I um, end up watching weird things on YouTube. And uh, I was once trying to buy a new car and came across all these car safety tests where they, they deliberately crash cars. Anyone seen these things before? Um, it's, it's great to watch because it must cost so much money. They're destroying all these cars. They take these cars and they hurdle them at a, you know, 100 kilometers an hour towards a pillar and deliberately crash them. And they video it all in slow motion. And what they're trying to do is test. Okay, this car says it's safe for its occupants. Let's test it to see if it's really true. And they test to see the true nature 
does this car, under stress, does it really live up to what it claims? Well, Abraham here, God puts him in such a stressful, difficult situation, I think he wants to test his true nature. He wants to test his heart. He wants to know whether he really has Abraham's heart. See, God's blessed Abraham greatly. God has given Abraham so much, including the son, Isaac. But God wants to say, do you love me just because of the things I give you? Or do you really love me for who I am? And the way he does that test is by going for the most precious thing, his son. Does Abraham really love me more than he loves his son? Is he willing to even lay down his son in worship of me? Friends, I guess that's the question for us. God has given us so much. He has forgiven us. He has saved us. He has poured out his love towards us. How do we respond? Well, Jesus says, if anyone wants to follow me, he must be willing to deny himself daily to follow me. Not deny themselves once, but daily. We, we do that. We make sacrifices for God, not to earn God's approval, but, but in a response because of what he's done for us. That's what it says in Romans 12. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So we don't want to earn God's mercy. God's already shown us mercy by giving Jesus for us. But in response, we want to offer our lives as a living sacrifice. We want to serve God and worship God with all that we have. See, God wants to see our hearts. He wants to see, does he really have our hearts? Is there anything that we won't give up for him? Let me ask you that question. Is there anything that you wouldn't be willing to give up for Jesus? Maybe you're thinking, maybe you've said to God, God, I'll follow you. I'll lay down my life for you, except in the area of my finances. That's kind of off limits, the way I spend my money, and that's off limits. But everything else. Or maybe, God, I'll follow you, except just don't mess with my relationships and my sex life. That's kind of up to me, but everything else, yeah. God, I'll follow you, but, but not in the area of my career. and um, that, That's off limits. You know, God calls us in response to his great love and mercy to, to live for him. And, and that does involve laying down our life for him in service of him. Not living for other things and making other things idols above him. No, we make him the ultimate thing because of all that he's done for us. He wants our heart.
That was the test for Abraham. But how does Abraham respond? Look what happens next in the story, verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Abraham's faith in in, in his life is a bit like a yo-yo. It has its ups, it has its downs. And um, you you read through the stories and you see some moments of great faith. You see some moments where he really blows it. But this moment is one of the highs. In fact, this moment, I think, in the whole of the Old Testament is the greatest example of faith because Abraham obeys. Can you imagine what was going through his head that night when he knew that the next day what he had to do? Anger? Anxiety? Confusion? What God, what are you doing? And then the trip he had to take was three days. Three days of thinking through what he had to do. Three days of thinking, you know, do I just pull the plug on this thing? You know, maybe I just kind of abandon this whole thing and not listen to God. Three days. But he obeys. In fact, have a look at the next verse, verse 5. Abraham said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. When I was a kid, I used to think Abraham was lying here. You know, saying to his servants, oh yeah, just stay here with the donkeys. I'm, you know, I'm going to take Isaac and we'll be back. Don't worry, the two of us will be back here. Well, I mean, Abraham could have been lying. But no, I actually think he had great faith. He really believed that somehow God would look after his son Isaac. That somehow he really would come back with his son. That's what it says in the New Testament. In the book of Hebrews, it says this. It's up on the screen, Hebrews 11. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. So Abraham, he reasons. God can even raise the dead. I don't understand what God is doing here. I don't understand God's method, but I trust that he can do the impossible and he might even raise my son from the dead. He's got faith. I'm sure there's situations you've been in where you're thinking, God, I don't know what your method is right now. I don't know what you're doing, but I trust you. I trust you. I trust that you love me. I trust that you'll never leave me. I trust your promises in your word and that you always do what is right. It's kind of like when you're driving through thick fog and the fog is just so thick, you can't even see a few meters ahead of you. 
But you got Google Maps there telling you where to go, take the next turn. And even though you can't see what's coming up ahead, you, you have faith, you trust that, okay, the road is there, and then when you turn left, there's going to be another street. And that's Abraham. He's got, it's foggy. He doesn't know what God is doing. But he has deep faith. I love what it says in our second reading. It's from James chapter 2. It's, it's up on the screen. This is what it says about Abraham's faith. Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. So how is Abraham forgiven by God? How is Abraham saved? It's not by, by sacrificing his son. It's not like God said, all right, Abraham, i got a little challenge for you. You go and sacrifice your son. If you do, then I'll call you my friend and I'll save you and I'll make you righteous. No. Abraham believed God. That's how he was righteous. That's how he was saved. But his faith led to action. He obeyed God by going to sacrifice his son. And that passage there says his faith and his actions work together. It's the same with you and I. We are saved not by the things we do. We are saved by faith alone. It's not by the things we do. We are saved by trusting in what God has done. But true faith is never alone. True faith results in action, results in the fruit of good works. You know, even Satan believes God exists. So what if you believe God exists? No, real faith is more than just empty belief. It results in, it results in action and obedience. Not that the obedience saves you, but it's a response. It's the evidence of true faith. That's Abraham here. He trusts God. He has faith. And he puts that faith into action by doing the most incredible obedient act that the Old Testament sees, by being willing to sacrifice his son. Imagine that. Perhaps you're here tonight and you're a Christian and your, your faith has gotten a bit sleepy. You're a Christian. You are saved by the blood of Jesus and and yet you haven't really been putting your faith into action. You haven't really been listening to God and his word and, and obeying him. And maybe the person of Abraham is, the, the, is God challenging you. Put your faith into action. Live out your faith. We know Abraham passed the test. Because when we jump ahead to verse 12... God says, now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham tested to see his heart and he showed he had deep faith and he was willing to sacrifice even his precious son in worship. But you know what? I actually think that's not the main point of the story. 
It's a challenging thing for us, but it's actually not the most important thing. The most important thing from this story for you and I is our second point. God will provide. Our God is the God who provides. Let's pick up the story from verse 6. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he carried the fire, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Kind of gut-wrenching, isn't it? You, you can almost see the cogs turning in Isaac's head. He, he's, he's working it out. What does Abraham say? Verse 8, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Now, again, Abraham could have been lying. Oh, yeah, don't worry. God's got a plan. But no, I think he had faith. God will provide. And then what happens is kind of like when you're watching a movie and it gets to the climax of the film and the editors put it in slow motion. You know those moments? They put it in slow motion just so you can really have all the suspense and so you can see all the detail of what's going on. In the original language, it's kind of like written in slow motion. Abraham ties up his son Isaac, lays him down. Abraham grabs the knife in his hand. He raises it up, about to plunge it into the chest of his son And an angel calls out, Abraham, do not lay a hand on your son. Verse 13, Abraham looked up and there in a thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. God provides a ram so that Isaac walks free. Four times we see God providing. Abraham says to his son, God will provide. He sees a ram, God provided the ram. He renames the mountain, the Lord will provide. And from then on, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. God provides a ram so that Isaac might live. And God provides us Jesus so that we might live. Often when people look at this passage... At first, it sounds like Isaac points us to Jesus. In many ways, Isaac does remind us of Jesus. He is God's precious. Jesus is God's precious one and only son. And just as Isaac carried the wood, Jesus carried the cross. And just as Isaac was about to be sacrificed, so Jesus... But actually, you know what? I actually think Isaac points to you and I. 
I actually think you and I are Isaac in the story. And it's the ram that points us to Jesus. Because just as the ram died in the place of Isaac so he could walk free, Jesus died in our place so that we could be forgiven, so that we might live. John the Baptist in John chapter 1, he saw Jesus coming towards him. And he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is God's perfect lamb who came to deal with the problem of sin, to atone for our sins, just like the sacrifice the sacrifice Abraham was making of Isaac was meant to do to atone for Abraham's sin. Jesus is God's perfect lamb to deal with our problem of sin. You see, your sin is serious. We've done things we shouldn't have done. We have not done things we should have done. We have broken God's commands. We have fallen short of his glory. How are we going to atone for our sins? How are we going to bring forgiveness? How are we going to pay the price? The answer is God will provide. And he has provided it. Through Jesus Christ, his precious and only son, he loves you so much that he gave up his son in your place so that you could walk free, so that you could be forgiven, so that you could have the hope of eternal life. And he loves you so much it cost him his precious son. 1 Peter chapter 1, it says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He died, the precious lamb, in our place. And he died as a substitute. In high school, I was, I was pretty hopeless at sport in high school. And uh, there was one season where I, I played basketball. And I landed the role on the team as the substitute. And my dad would drive me all across Sydney. And most of the time, I just sat on the sidelines as the substitute. Until came my moment of glory. When I guess either the coach felt sorry for me. Or he probably decided that, oh, yeah, you know, the game's already won or the game's already lost. We can risk getting Andrew out. And uh, he'd call for me. And I would come on and I would take someone's place. That's what a substitute is. Standing in the place of someone else. And that ram stood in the place of Isaac and Jesus, our perfect substitute, died in our place. We deserve to die. And he died so that we would live. And he did it voluntarily, by the way. This is not some kind of cosmic child abuse where God makes his son suffer. No, Jesus willingly 
offers up his life to pay our debts, to deal with our sin, and bring us forgiveness and hope. God has provided. Problem is, often we say to ourselves, I will provide. I can deal with my sin. I'm a good enough person. I will provide. I'll be good enough for God. I've got a good reputation. I live in Kirribilli, Mossman, Neutral Bay. I've got a, you know, I'm well regarded. I'll, I'll provide. But no, God will provide. He's done it in Jesus. We don't have to offer up bulls or sacrifices. He has done it all. All we need to do is accept his perfect sacrifice and then be like Abraham. Walk in faith. We say to God, God, you have given up your precious son for me. And so I lay down my life for you. I give you my all in thankfulness and joy. Just like Abraham, we have faith, and our faith, we put it into action, serving our great God and living for him. Because he is the God who gave up his son in our place for our sins. Hallelujah. Let's pray. God, we come before you and, and we want to confess the times that we failed you, the times that we have not lived as we should live. Please forgive us. You alone can forgive. And you alone have provided, Jesus. And we are so, so thankful. Thank you for your love and your mercy and the forgiveness you've given us. Would you help us to have faith like Abraham? To follow you? To obey you? We pray for people in this room who are in moments of great trial, great difficulty. People who can't see your method, and don't know what you're doing. And we pray for those people tonight that you would give them a deep trust and that you would be with them. Father, we pray that you would help us to put our faith into action. We want to offer up our lives as a living sacrifice to you because you have given us everything, every spiritual blessing in Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen.